we have everybody's let me grab some. And you've been here like five years now, six years? Six to be six this spring. Oh wow. Yeah. Right. Wow. <laughs> Woo. Like forever, right? Pros are short.
Well, good morning, and the Lord be with you, and welcome to worship this morning as we gather in our homes and communities and even here on sites at our campus. Uh, Though scattered, the Lord continues to call and gather us by the very power of his Holy Spirit and the presence of his word among us, as well as this uh, table of grace and belonging, which you have set uh, for yourself and your loved ones in your very own home. And so as the people of God, we can continue to rejoice as the Lord does this good work within us. Uh, even in a pandemic, and yet also even in the midst of uh, the renovation of our facilities. Uh, So uh, we continue to look forward to that time uh, when he will gather us once again uh, here uh, in this place uh, to celebrate his love for us in Jesus. So welcome. A couple of announcements, though, before we begin this morning's worship service, and as we do every week, encourage you to find a way in which to participate the life of the church, uh, even though participation uh, seems to be somewhat limited. Nonetheless, there are ways that uh, you can uh, continue to help uh, your brothers and sisters in Christ, as well as love upon your neighbors uh, in your own neighborhood. Uh, First and foremost, that is uh, by uh, cultivating that life of prayer uh, for the life of the church. And So don't forget to download uh, the announcements and the prayer page that we have for you, uh, which goes out every Saturday uh, with those uh, easy uh, to use uh, worship notes uh, uh, for you uh, this week and follow along during the service. Also, don't forget that uh, today, since it is the first Sunday in the month of February, that means it's a $5 Sunday. That's where we encourage everybody to give an extra $5, all right, $5 just for missions and to continue to thank you for your support. Remember, we have a goal this year of raising an additional $5,000. Sounds like a lot, but um, an additional $5,000 for missions this year to help Pastor Absalom uh, as he uh, transfers uh, his synodical membership uh, from the ELCA into the LCMS. And so um, he uh, needs to spend some time at the seminary and uh, is gonna go through a program there. And uh, we as a congregation uh, have agreed to support that and we wanna continue to help encourage him and the folks uh, in the church that he is pastoring Uh, which, thanks be to God, continues to grow uh, even in the pandemic. So $5 Sunday uh, with a goal for our congregation of uh, 5,000 additional dollars for mission work uh, this year. Also, don't forget that Lent is coming up. It will begin on Ash Wednesday, which is Wednesday the 17th of February. And we're going to be using uh, this booklet to guide our Lenten journey together as a congregation. Um, You can sign up online uh, for uh, the Ash Wednesday resources because we will uh, uh, be broadcasting a service uh, that evening at 7 p.m. And in the kit that you'll receive, you'll receive one of these devotional booklets for uh, the 40 days of Lent, as well as communion and ashes, uh, as well as a worship service. Uh, So uh, if you haven't already signed up for that, please do so, and we can arrange a drop-off and pick-up and those types of things for your participation but we hope you'll join us uh, on this journey of uh, 40 days as we prepare for Holy Week, uh, as well as our celebration of Easter, all right? So again, take some time to familiarize yourself with what's going on in the life of the church. Uh, There are opportunities still, uh, even though we are scattered from Bible study uh, to uh, ladies, your virtual Valentine celebration uh, with the Mary Martha Guild uh, amongst the many. Okay. All right. Well, again, thank you uh, for being here this morning, and we're going to then turn to worship. And today, let me grab my worship uh, folder. Uh, We're going to begin this morning's worship on page two with our confession of assurance, or confession uh, of our sin, but yet assurance of God's love for us uh, in that sin. So uh, if you would, please join me on page two of your service folder 
as we now come before the Lord uh, here uh, at church, but also in our own homes to receive from him the rich blessings of life and faith. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us then confess our sins to God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for us, and for his sake, God forgives us all our sins. To those who believe in Jesus Christ, he gives the power to become children of God, and bestows on them the Holy Spirit. May the Lord, who has begun this good work in us, bring it to completion in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We continue now with our opening hymn, Alleluia, Sing to Jesus.
For the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as uh, you gather us uh, to yourself this morning, whether uh, here uh, in the fellowship hall with a few of us or, Lord, scattered amongst our neighborhoods and communities, in our homes, with our families and loved ones, uh, we recognize that you have connected us by the very power of the Holy Spirit and the presence of the Word in our lives, that all of us at this moment, uh, Lord, have been joined uh, together, uh, knit uh, in the beautiful body of Christ uh, to your glory and for the good of others. And so we just continue to pray as we prepare to open the word before us this morning that you would open up our hearts and minds so that we might better understand the word's application to our life of faith and how we might live it out to your glory and the good of others. So thank you for loving us and gathering us unto yourself wherever we are this day. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we begin this morning uh, first with our responsive psalm on page four of the worship packet. The psalm is from Psalm 147, and it's verses one through 11. He heals the brokenhearted. Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant, and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond our measure. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make melody to our God on the lyre. He covers the heavens with clouds. He prepares rain for the earth. He makes grass grow on the hills. He gives to the beasts their food and to the young ravens that cry. His delight is not in the strength of the horse nor his pleasure in the length of a man. All but, uh, but the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him and those who hope in his steadfast love. This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading this morning comes to us from Isaiah chapter 40 on the greatness of God. The prophet writes, Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he, it is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. It is he who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in. It is he who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows on them and they wither and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me, that I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is discarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not grow faint. This is the word of the Lord. 
And our last reading uh, for this morning comes from our gospel lesson. It's Mark chapter 1. Jesus heals the many. And immediately Jesus left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place where he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the next town that I may preach there also, for that is why I have come. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. This is the gospel of the Lord.
Right, again, a great thank you to uh, those of us or those who are here with me today helping uh, us worship uh, from music to uh, sound and audio. Grateful for our participation uh, with all our volunteers. Well, uh, this morning I'd encourage you to have your worship packet open to pages 6 and 7 because uh, I'll be referring to that as I go through uh, this last of uh, messages in our Renovate Sermon series. Uh, but before we begin, how about bowing, uh, bowing your heads with me? I can't talk this morning, right? Bowing your heads with me, and uh, let's have a word of prayer uh, for the Lord to work. Heavenly Father, grateful again uh, for some time together, uh, recognizing um, the connectivity, if you will, of your Spirit's presence and power in our lives as your people, uh, that though scattered and though missing one another and though longing to be with one another again, uh, to sing praises uh, to your name, um, that for such a time as this, uh, you have continued uh, to keep us connected and to continue to work in our lives, not just as a congregation, uh, as a body, but also as individuals. And uh, so we continue to pray, Lord, that um, as we take it day by day, uh, that you would open our hearts and minds to that good work which is being done within us, uh, whether it's uh, within our building, whether it's within our congregation, uh, or whether it's within us individually. So we can trust that you are at work and uh, reveal to us uh, that finished product, we pray. Uh, and we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, as I said, uh, we have been in our Renovate Sermon Series these past four weeks. And uh, this is the fifth week. And this fifth week will conclude uh, our look at the book of Philippians. Unfortunately, it won't conclude the renovation uh, as there are still uh, some more weeks to go. Um, but recall that the goal of our series is meant to coincide with that renovation, right? Um, where we have this vision of a, a renovated church, a, a space that has been changed in the positive sense, uh, a good work being done within it, right? Scripture uh, does too, uh, but it's not about the buildings, is it? Uh, because it's about us, it's about me, it's about you, it's about our congregation, the body of Christ gathered here at Holy Cross. Recall that Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we, brothers and sisters, are being renovated, if you will, worked on, changed by the very power of the Holy Spirit into Christ-likeness. Not to be Jesus, all right, but called to be like him in a human sense. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14 and in other places in his letters to the churches that are scattered throughout the Mediterranean world, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So, having been saved through the shed blood and resurrection of Jesus and finding ourselves on this very solid spiritual ground, right, even worshiping virtually, we are anticipating this good work, this good work both in us and in the building so as I've been saying over the previous weeks, it is a win-win. Uh, as much as we hate being scattered, uh, in some sense disconnected, it is still a win-win for us even in this season of pandemic and construction. But our text then for the finished renovation, the text to put this last coat of paint on the series is actually from Philippians 2, all right? Philippians 2, 19 through 30. Um, and it's on pages, as I said, six and seven of your bulletin. I'm gonna get to it. 
uh, in just a moment and read it for you. But um, you may be saying to me, well, Pastor Tom, it's kind of strange to end uh, this uh, look at the book of Philippians right smack back in the middle uh, in chapter two. Why are we, uh, if you will, going backwards uh, in order to uh, bring completion uh, to this series? Well, let me explain. You know, as I went into the series, uh, the idea was to do a brief overview on each chapter, which we did do, hitting one or two of the highlights uh, of sections of Scripture. Um, but I want to come back to this short description of two of Paul co-workers, two of Paul's co-workers. And why do I want to do that? Well, think about it this way. Uh, if you have ever watched an episode of Fixer Upper, all right, with uh, Chip and Joanna Gaines, it's probably one of the most popular shows on HGTV, right? Everybody loves it. And in fact, I think they're back with a new series. But if you've ever watched an episode of Fixer Upper, um, besides uh, being jealous, right, and starting to covet uh, those wonderful things that these remodeled homes have that we know our homes don't have, right? <laughs> it's always fun to watch what is called the, the, the big reveal. It's always fun to, to watch the end of the episode uh, when the homeowners are brought before their new home and the screens that are blocking the home are removed, right? And there before them uh, is the renovated, completely remodeled house that they so dearly love. And there's, there's usually tears and there's, and there's hugs and smiles and everything comes into view. And so it's this idea that the big reveal reveals uh, the new which has been made from the old. Well, in a way, our text is the reveal, all right? Timothy and Epaphroditus, right, are exhibits A and B in the good work of God being done within us. They are examples of renovated disciples, examples of ones whose lives have been dramatically changed by their encounter with Christ and one whose lives are continually being shaped and formed so as to make them more Christ-like. So if you want to know what we are after, then these followers of Jesus are great examples for you and for me. And I've uh, broken each man down, so to speak, with a brief outline, which you can see in your worship packet on page 7, uh, but we're going to tackle Timothy today, or Super Bowl tackle uh, Timothy. I, I had to get that in, right? Because today is the Super Bowl. But we're going to tackle Timothy for our purposes uh, today as we look at these disciples. But think about it this way. Organizations like schools and, and churches and other nonprofits consistently run what we call a volunteer deficit, all right? You might hear some people call it the 80-20 rule, where the idea is that 20% of the people do 80% of the work, right? And if you've ever volunteered uh, for the PTA at school or at church, or you've never volunteered, right, you get the idea. You either see the same people all the time, or you wonder, where is everyone, right? Anyway, believe it or not, the same challenge we face in our modern organizations was the very same challenge that Paul was facing in his day. Brothers and sisters, because of our sinful, selfish uh, human nature, right? Service, sacrifice, mutual concern, they were missing in his day and age like they are missing uh, in ours. We know this because he is peeved, all right? He is peeved with the church at Rome. 
He cannot find one person, one person, seriously, one person in Rome who is concerned about the Philippians and how to help them in their time of need. And this comes out in chapter 1 and chapter 2 as you read through the book of Philippians. But let's look at the text from chapter 2 on pages 6 and 7 of your worship packet, and I'll explain what I mean by this in the context of Paul's mission and ministry. So Paul writes this, beginning at verse 19 of chapter 2, to the Philippian church. Again, he's in Rome writing uh, to these Christians in Philippi. He says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him, for I have no one like him who will be generally concerned for your welfare. They all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill near death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Okay, so as I said, Paul is writing this from Rome to the Christians in the city of Philippi, the Philippians. That's why he says in 19 and 21 what he says about these people uh, around him uh, who don't care. He can't find one person to send. I have no one, he says, not even 80-20 here at work, right? Zero zilch. (laughs) But what Paul is after then, using the Roman Christians as a negative example, is a positive example for the believers before him. And and Timothy and Epaphroditus are what we call low-hanging fruit, right? They're right there for him able uh, to be used as encouragement uh, for others in their life of faith. And it's a perfect example because he knows the Philippians will say, well, it's impossible for us to follow such examples as Jesus Christ, right? Or such examples as you, Paul. I mean, Jesus, after all, is the very son of God. And Paul, you're, you're this chosen apostle. You've had these great spiritual experiences and knowledge. We don't. How could we ever help, uh, ever hope to live up uh, to such standards. Possibly true. I mean, at least in the sense for Jesus. Uh, so in come the ordinary saints. These men who were not apostles or miracle workers, but people like you and me invited into an extraordinary adventure of following Jesus. And it's this idea, if these guys can do it, so can you, so can I. Uh, so let's look at Timothy. Think about it this way. Timothy was not an out-of-the-box disciple, all right? He wasn't a turnkey franchise, so to speak. Timothy had to learn to cultivate and develop, all right, his life of following Jesus. Because of our sinful nature, it is not natural for us to be servants of others, right? But like Timothy, the longer we walk with the Lord and work with one another in the church, the more natural it becomes for us as the people of God. Perhaps you've heard that uh, saying that the 
the, the people that you spend time with the most, right? Those are whom you begin to reflect uh, and they reflect you as well, right? Uh, the skill sets, the language, um, uh, the things that you discuss, uh, uh, the way you posture yourself before the world, right? Um, but this idea of a process is, is part of Paul's overall point. He says God is doing a good work in us and he'll bring it to completion on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you can hear them then stretching this out, if you will, making this a long-term thing, right? Uh, not instantly achievable or sustainable by our own efforts. So I think you can approach it this way. There are two verses in this letter to the Philippians that I want to contrast. Chapter 1, verse 21, and chapter 2, verse 21. So 121 and 221. So listen to these two scriptures. Paul writes this in Philippians 1. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. All right? For me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Philippians 1.21. Now, just opposite of that, in Philippians 2.21, is what he's saying about the Roman Christians. He says this, For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Do you hear the difference? Do you hear the contrast? Live for Christ, or live for yourself, right? This is the first part. This is the first part of that lesson of learning uh, from a, a, an example such as Timothy, right? Live for Christ or live for yourself. And Paul tells us that this is about having a servant's mindset, all right? That's that first point uh, under Timothy. Recognizing the call on our lives to become more Christ-like is a call to serve in some capacity, right? It's as much for our neighbor as it is for us, right? It challenges us that by the power of the Holy Spirit to throw off our self-centeredness and put the interests of others first, right? Love your neighbor as you love yourself, right? The Christians in Rome were so engrossed in themselves and their own internal wranglings that they had no time for the work of Jesus. And what was going on in the church? Internal fighting, right? wranglings, as I mentioned, uh, they were distracted. They're diverting their time and energy and concern from the things that matter most, like serving uh, those who weren't part of the church, their neighbors, uh, such as spending time uh, in the word together, right? And in prayer, right? And in praising God. And so a church with chronic problems, whether they're relational problems or even facility problems, it's like living in a home or working in a building that is chronically in need of repair. It's not just that it's a money pit, right? But it drains you in so many other ways as it, as it sponges up a emotional and relational energy from us. There's little left for discipleship and serving. And this is the trap the Roman Christians had fallen into. And so here then is Timothy, not interested in, in promoting that wrangling uh, or, or supporting any divisive cause that had, that had gotten into the midst of that church. He is simply interested in the spiritual condition of God's people and this concern had become natural for him. He had in mind the things of Christ, and he lived for the things of Christ. And so perhaps the challenge is to confront ourselves with questions like, do we keep the things of Christ foremost in our mind? If so, how do we do it? Or perhaps there's someone in our life who models this, and, and we can learn from them how we might better keep the things of Christ before us. Are our thoughts and attention captured by something else distracting us, right? Because the Lord knows that we have a lot of distractions in this world today. 
I mean, even when we're dealing with life stressor, stressors and strains, um, do we invite the Lord in to those stresses and the strains, or, or do we keep him at a distance? You know, consider your mindset then and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you about whether or not you are approaching life with a servant's mindset or approaching it by putting your interests before the interests of others. All right. So how does this mindset develop and grow? That's the second point under Timothy. In this verse 22, uh, Paul writes this, But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. Right? If you had a pen with you this morning, I would tell you to underline that phrase, served with me, served with me. This is that classic leadership square uh, before the leadership square was ever developed. Uh, that uh, person uh, who is being mentored, uh, the best way that for them to learn the role of, of the one who is mentoring them is to go along with that mentor and begin uh, to do the things that the mentor is doing. But Timothy started getting involved, we'll say simply with stacking chairs, right? Uh, and opportunities to grow open then before him. And as those opportunities grew, he grew, not only in mindset, but also in impact. We all know how this works in our careers through, through networking and continuing ed and relationship building over coffees and, and lunches. I mean, you're constantly challenging yourself and, and growing in your respective discipline, uh, and you're going to get better at what you're doing. That principle also works in your life of faith as you follow Jesus. Getting involved and staying involved is one way you become more Christ-like. Think of it this way, if you will. A pine tree right? Uh, those of you who perhaps grew up in East Texas or, or those who, like us, uh, lived in uh, Georgia uh, for a while, uh, where the most popular or populous uh, tree around you is the pine tree. But the thing about the pine tree is it's, if you will, a weak tree. The branches usually go out farther than the roots below it, uh, than the roots go deep. So without deep roots, what happens to the pine tree when a storm comes? Right? Uh, the tree topples. And pine trees are notorious topplers, if you will. So the idea is that we put down deep roots by serving as we learn to follow Jesus. Because the reality of it is for us, brothers and sisters, if we're not volunteering or serving, our branches may be farther out than our roots are deep. And in a broken and fallen world, that's a dangerous place to do life from. That's a dangerous place to try to follow Jesus from. So how's the Lord calling you to serve? Is it in your neighborhood or, or perhaps in an organization your workplace is connected to? I mean, corporate America has gotten big into the volunteer game, haven't they? Perhaps that's where the Lord wants you to make that impact. Or perhaps if you feel like, well, I can't get out of my house or home, how do I serve? Well, as we've mentioned before, one of the easiest ways to enter into that um, uh, life of service is to begin to pray to begin to pray for all those names on the back of the prayer page uh, that we provide every week, to begin to pray for your neighbors and family members in ways in which perhaps you haven't prayed before. So those of you, those of you who feel even uh, isolated home, you too have a, a role uh, and an impact to make. Uh, but perhaps it is at church, perhaps it's at your student's school, uh, but it's this idea that we serve without expectation of anything in return. Uh, so where is God calling us to wrestle uh, with a place of service and respond to him as he does this good work in us? You know, here's a way to think about it, if you will. 
let's say you started a renovation project in your master bathroom, all right? In fact, I was talking to one of my friends this week uh, who has some renovation going on in their master bathroom, and I said, well, how uh, is your contractor? And he said, he's great, he's highly skilled, but he's also highly unreliable. <laughs> and so they never know when he's gonna show up. Uh, and so this master bathroom, which is beginning to take shape, uh, is taking even longer uh, for it uh, to finish. Uh, but how would you feel if the contractor stopped showing up uh, and the work stopped at your house and you're left with an unfinished bathroom, right? Uh, what if this happened in our sanctuary uh, and we were not able to complete the work that was being done? So in a spiritual sense, think of serving, uh, think of not serving, if you will, like that's like not finishing the bathroom, right? Not finishing the sanctuary. It doesn't do anybody any good. And so when we don't get involved in the life of the church, when we don't get involved in serving our neighbors, uh, we're doing a disservice not only to them, but even to ourselves, uh, as God uses that as a way to train us up to be more Christ-like. Because that's what it is, on-the-job training, right? Uh, so after all this, there's the mindset and there's lots of practice, right, as the people of God. Timothy comes into his own, and this is the last point, right? Paul ends up mentioning him, Timothy, at least 24 times in his letters, all right? Now, that's not the reward, but the reward, if you want to call it, is this, the way then God uses Timothy, all right? And that is to allow Timothy to take Paul's place to be his replacement, all right? So uh, think of it this way, Paul wants to go to Philippi, right? He even expresses in his letter to them that he longs to be with them, right? But what history tells us that is instead he has to send Timothy, but that's okay. To be able to say he was Paul's substitute in the best of senses is what Timothy was. I know often the idea of a substitute is negative, right? Like this online worship right now is substituting for our worship in the sanctuary together as we go through this renovation project. But that's not fair to that word or to that idea. He wasn't leftovers. He wasn't a, consol a consolation prize. He truly was prepared and worthy of the role that had been given to him. Because you see, over the course of years, he started by developing a servant's mindset and added to that mindset servant's training, and finally received a servant's reward, if you will, by becoming a blessing to the people of Philippi. And that's why he remains the example to you and me that he is. So called into a life of following Jesus, uh, he opened himself up to what the Lord had for him. And so may we be able to say the same and embrace what God has for you and me uh, as his people and as he calls us uh, to become more Christ-like. You know, our goal over the last five weeks is as we recognize and celebrate the work of Christ for us, as we rejoice in the forgiveness of sins and the reality of life everlasting that he's brought to us, right? Um, that we challenge ourselves then from that place of salvation. We challenge our, our, ourselves from that, that gospel foundation to respond, to respond to where God is working in our lives and has called us to follow him to respond using the gospel as our foundation, to respond in such a way that our faith in Christ leads to action in Christ. So it doesn't matter uh, whether that action is large or small, but it does matter that we act, that we act in such a way that we're bearing witness to the world around us about the love of Jesus. Think about it this way. The Roman church was selfish 
and uninterested in the problems of others. All right, and I'm probably oversimplifying it, but it's for the point and you get the idea. The Philippians, on the other hand, were not. They were the only ones to remember Paul and his needs. So both are remembered, but they're remembered for different reasons. And I bet the church that's remembered for negative reasons would like to change how they are remembered. What do we want to be remembered for? What do we at Holy Cross as the body of Christ want to be remembered for as a church? How do we want to be described, not only by ourselves, <laughs> but even more so and more importantly, our neighbors, our community, our partners in ministry? You see, by the person and work of Jesus, of course, that's first and foremost how we want to be known, remembered, and described. But we also want to be known as a place where people like Timothy and Epaphroditus and Paul, people like that, abound. In Jesus' name. Amen. So our service uh, then continues uh, with our uh, confession of faith as found in the words of the Apostles' Creed, as well as our prayers on behalf of God's people. Additional prayer requests, brothers and sisters, are offered up on behalf of uh, Kenyon Albrecht, uh, who is hospitalized um, at this time. Uh, but I encourage you, uh, even as I said in my message, to keep this prayer page before you this week. Um, and to uh, pray for your brothers and sisters in need, as well as some of the prayers that we've listed, prayers for our community, for our, uh, for our state, for our nation. Also would request that you keep us updated on those prayers and whether or not those prayers that you have placed on this prayer page need to be changed uh, according to circumstances. We appreciate it. All right, let's go before the Lord then and our confession of faith in the Apostles' Creed. Uh, with Christians around the world and across the ages, we make a shared confession of faith uh, together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Would you bow your heads with me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, uh, we're grateful that you continue to do this good work in us and that you'll bring it into completion in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. You won't be a contractor, uh, Lord, who fails to show up, uh, but you're hard at work, um, Lord, and we're anticipating the big reveal. We're anxious in a good way, right? Excited in the best of senses, uh, Lord, uh, for you um, as you uh, continue um, to finish within us and within this body of Christ gathered here. And so we continue to pray, uh, Lord, that uh, in our lives, whether we are gathered here uh, on campus or uh, separated and scattered into our communities and places of work and schools, um, that we are becoming more and more Christ-like, that you're working in our lives so that, uh, Lord, we're learning to serve others and bring glory to you and, and good to them. And so open our hearts and minds individually but corporately, Lord, even in a, a strange season that we find ourselves in, uh, so that we might be known uh, as those who love Jesus 
uh, and love others. But we commend to you, Lord, on behalf of our brothers and sisters in need this time, those we've listed before you in particular, uh, we pray for healing for Kenyon Albrecht. Continuing to pray that you would be with Kenyon and his family, uh, Lord, um, uh, Lord, in this season. We pray too uh, for Charles Marshall uh, as he continues to recover from his surgery. And we continue to pray for those listed today, uh, Lord, in their time of need for Tom and for Tasha, for Rose and Nancy and Craig and Devin and Joy, for Melody and Bob and Alicia and Obi and Mary. We pray for Chad and Paul and Tomas and Jolyn and Sadie and Christy. We pray for Lucille and Carol and Earl and Seal. We pray for Chris and Bonnie and Jim and Bob and Russ and Marion. We pray for Anne and Lydia and Carol and Rhonda and Marie and Donna. We pray for Ruth and Cammie and Kim and Mary and Marge and Sandy, lifting up our brothers and sisters to you, asking, Lord, that they would know of the healing touch of the great physician who heals uh, not only their soul, but also their body. Use the gifts of medicine and medical technology and doctors and nurses to attend to them in their time of need. And we would be remiss if we didn't thank you for those doctors and nurses, uh, Lord, and the gifts of medical technology during this season of COVID. Thanking you for those, uh, Lord, who are laboring long um, in offices and hospitals, uh, attending to those, uh, Lord, who are suffering. Yet we also thank you that, um, Lord, hospitalizations and deaths seem to continue to be declining. And uh, may, uh, Lord, our continued efforts as a collective community uh, help those efforts to decline. And so continue, we pray, Lord, uh, to work, uh, even in these circumstances, to help us understand how we might serve our neighbor uh, and hope, bring hope and healing uh, to the communities around us. We certainly continue to pray for those whom you've placed in authority over us, uh, whether it is at the local, state, or national level. Giving thanks, Lord, uh, for a life uh, lived in a republic under democratic principles and practices. We pray as the church, uh, Lord, that we would steward well uh, what you've entrusted to us in terms of our citizenship here on earth, um, that our citizenship in heaven uh, would be reflected in our behavior towards others, that we would put the best construction on things, uh, Lord, in our speech and language uh, as we discuss politics and policy uh, with those around us. Help us ultimately uh, point uh, all people uh, to you and your love and provision uh, found um, in your son Jesus, uh, and that as transitory uh, as things are uh, in this life, uh, that you, uh, Lord, are eternal and gracious. So uh, we commend then uh, these prayers spoken and the many, many prayers left unspoken to you, Lord, thanking you for our love in Jesus and continuing to celebrate uh, your forgiveness for us as your people. So strengthen us, Lord, in life and faith and witness before others, uh, Lord, and help us to know of your peace in our lives. May it surpass all our understanding and guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus in all things. And all God's people say, Amen. Remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. We continue now with the service of the sacrament, and encourage you at this time, uh, to take out uh, your communion, uh, which you have at home with you, or uh, those of us gathered here today. Uh, we begin uh, with the preface before us on page 9. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give Him thanks and praise. 
Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same manner also after supper, he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to all to drink, saying, take and drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. As often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Take and eat the body of Christ given unto death for the forgiveness of your sins. Take and drink the blood of Christ shed for you in your forgiveness. And now may this very body and blood of our Lord and Savior strengthen, continually remind you of God's good work being done in you which will be brought to completion in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We continue with our music ministry.
before the morning. Poor sinner, be still. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can tell. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can tell. with me a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do come as we are, sinful and, and in need of a Savior, and yet finding that Savior in Jesus, your Son. We thank you for this meal, though small it may seem, uh, Lord, in uh, suds, uh, substance. Uh, it is sustenance for us in this journey of faith. So strengthen us and encourage us, um, Lord, as uh, we just day by day uh, seek to follow Jesus. We love you and thank you for loving us. We commend ourselves and our week ahead to you. Uh, into your care and anticipate your work in our lives and those around us. In your Son's name, all God's people say, Amen. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Go in peace, serve the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. We close with him 417, Alleluia, Song of Gladness. <laughs>